This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Volkbaum. And today we're talking about a machine. Yes. A group of machines. That's right. They're... I mean, v- vending machines specifically, which you probably knew from the episode title. And I don't know why I'm ever trying to be mysterious at this part. <laughs> I, I like it. I was like, is she going to throw in a, a curveball for me? And I'm going to have to speak about some machine I know nothing about? <laughs> no, no, it's vending machines. Okay. That thing that we outlined extensively. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are discussing vending machines. And one of the reasons we're discussing it is because a coworker I have brought up and have not yet pranked, but will, uh, Chandler, <laughs> he sits across from me and he very, I would say at least once a week, tells me we should do an episode on vending machines. So here we are. We're doing it, Chandler. And he works on Omnibus, which is a brother podcast of ours. And they did an episode on vending machines that was more about the weirdest things ever oh, that you'd get out yeah. of vending machines. Which is a lot of stuff. Oh, yes. We're going to touch on some of them in here, but there are so many. Uh, it's worth a listen. Yes. Sure. Yeah, and and it's a it's a delightful show in general. So yeah, the if you're looking for that episode, it's called Vending Machines. Yeah. So that's pretty easy to find <laughs> if you just <laughs> Google Omnibus Vending Machines, it'll pop right up. Yes, we we believe that you can do it, <laughs> listeners. Yes. And last night I stayed up quite late <laughs> to complete an important piece of research for this episode, which was the viewing of Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> Stephen King's one and only. Directorial debut. Debut and and (laughs) directorial career. Finality, yes. Yes. Um, Which is a a movie about machines coming to life and killing people. Mm -hmm. Mostly semi-trucks, but all kinds of things, really, including very early in the beginning, a vending machine that does the one of the most over-the-top crotch shots I've ever seen. can of coke right into this dude's crotch and just spits them out everywhere and it's a baseball team like a kids little league game and it's just hitting all these kids oh no so that was all but i watched the entire movie (laughs) even though it was at the beginning yes no i you know i respect your dedication to the show yeah i have to be thorough in my research (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And uh, the episode of Seinfeld also comes to mind when I think of uh, vending machines when George has so much trouble getting it to accept his dollar bill. And then that mechanic like Sal or Hal or there's a joke in there about his name. Uh, he keeps getting the, <laughs> George's, oh, George's candy, candy. Yeah. 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 They are. They can be tricky. They it's can be. also tricky is how <laughs> I'm completely shocked by how many times I'll have no idea what you're talking about when you embark on a Seinfeld episode description. And by the end of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember that one. <laughs> yes. I go about it in a very, like, circular way. <laughs> and I, I – before we get into this, I do have – because I usually do have something that makes me pretty angry. <laughs> oh, An angry awesome. memory that attached to this. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question, Lauren. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm ready. Say it's a hot day and you really want a Coca-Cola. Okay. You go to a vending machine, put in your money, and lo and behold, you get not one but two Coca-Colas. Oh, man. What do you do? Well, if I'm hanging out with someone, then I guess I give them a Coca-Cola. You're fired. I- <laughs> <laughs> this is a question I got on a job application, and I thought it was ridiculous to lie. Because you, you were supposed to call the company and report that you got an extra Coca-Cola oh. and I guess Are return you it. Kidding? The the number the number of first of all, this is a product that's worth Oh, well, they can't lose any. Not a single a single profit margin to be lost. Um I mean for furthermore, for the amount of times that a vending machine has stolen my money or failed to give fair. me a product, I think it all really washes. <laughs> See, that's what I thought. I didn't get the job because <laughs> because of the vending machine question. Well, yeah, well that and there was wow. another one that I thought was really stupid. And I I just really <laughs> thought no one would believe me. No one's going to call the company. So I I figured they'd realize I was lying if I said, "Oh, I'm going to call the company" because it was a multiple choice thing. But I guess I should have just lied and they would yeah. have been like, "Yeah, lying was the correct thing to do in this ethics <laughs> part of our job application." <laughs> Anyway, that's uh, I still got some some anger about that, but I can I can tell. But but maybe maybe talking a little bit more through this will will help will help it dissipate. Yeah, I think so because it's a pretty cool technology. It really is. Yeah, but before we get into why exactly, let let's get down to the basics. Vending machines. What is it? Hopefully, not some alien possessed machine out to kill you and all of your friends at a baseball game. Um, (laughs) Fingers crossed. Vending is also known as automatic retailing, and it's essentially selling stuff via automated machine. Yeah. You you have probably seen these. You know, you you put money in. That money triggers either a mechanical or electronic reaction that dispenses whatever it is you're trying to purchase. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully. Yes, in theory. Um, Many of these machines have some kind of input device to allow you to make a particular selection from within the machine, a pull knob or buttons, keypads, a touchscreen maybe, and these are modern times. And these machines are commonly stacked with non-perishable snacks and beverages as, you know, those are the cheapest and easiest to do. Yeah. They last the longest. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking at numbers, each year the vending machine industry in the U.S. earns about $20 with about 8 million machines. And this is despite the fact how difficult they can be to pay to get them to work, to function properly. (laughs) Okay, the anger is coming back. Calm down. According to the 2015 National Automatic Merchandising Association's One Show, annually Americans get about 17 billion snacks from vending machines, and that the industry and the tech making it work are worth about $42 billion. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. Um, If you were shopping around for a vending machine on Amazon, it would run you about $3,400. That's – I don't know why I thought they were much more expensive than that, but I guess I assumed – I don't know. They can be. If you get like a higher end one, those are like 12,000. Oh, dang. All right. Well, there you are. Old school ones. Sure. Sure. (laughs) And I know some of you are wondering, or I hope some of you are wondering because I wondered it, possibly because of Shark Week. Um, Numbers from the Consumer Product Safety Commission suggest that since 1978, vending machines have been behind, quote, at least 37 deaths and 113 injuries. In contrast, year to year, sharks really only kill about about 11 people. Right. And if you're wondering about that shark week aside, uh, it's because the statistic frequently comes up like, 
you shouldn't be so afraid of sharks because statistically coconuts kill 11 times more people or something like oh, that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Vending machines is one of the examples that comes up when you're talking about <laughs> things that you encounter more frequently that perhaps looking at the numbers are more dangerous. <laughs> or statistically. Right. Yes. yes. Uh, also, uh, we do have some holdover um, association with Sharks Week from previously being owned and operated by Discovery Corporation. Oh, it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they were cupcakes. And yeah. I still have a magnet that says, bite me. <laughs> you know, one of the things, uh, my nickname for a while was Shark Week because <laughs> I made, I can't believe I was an intern. I started here as an intern. And at the time, it was owned by Discovery. And um, I can't believe to this day they said to intern Annie, Make the graphic for Shark Week. What? And so the graphic, one of the graphics for Shark Week, I made. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure if they ever used it. I heard tell that they did, hence that that's how I got the nickname. But I was kind huh. of shocked. All yeah. right. Well, they, yeah. they gave you a chance. You were they real did. plucky. <laughs> they did give me a chance. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I hope it was okay. Um <laughs> So vending machines have really, really branched out. Oh, yeah. You can get oysters from vending machines. You can get sushi, cupcakes. Um, Some can knead pizza dough and make you a pizza. Um, Some can cook you pasta. That one is $12,000. That one's worth a lot of money. (laughs) Um, And now, like, you can get a lot of things that we're not going to touch on non-food related, but you can get cannabis bait. Like fishing bait. Fishing bait. And cars. Cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still surprised about the cars one. I've That's never, I've never been like, oh man, I'm going to go buy a Ferrari from a. Anyway, I, <laughs> what a different life than what we lead. That is very true. But I, do, I, I like the bait thing. I like that the food that you're catching, <laughs> yeah. you can get food for them <laughs> from a vending machine, and then they become food for you. Yeah, it's the circle of bait. <laughs> <laughs> the circle of vending machines. Uh. <laughs> well, that about brings us to the history. Yes, and that history is a lot longer than than I suspected. Oh, me too. Um, but we will get into that right after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Yes, so as we were saying, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that vending machines are probably older than you think. I'm going to give you a minute to, like, get an idea in your head. Yeah, yeah. Pa- pause the podcast if you need to. Place your bets if you're listening with other people. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, food stuff. Drinking game. <laughs> I'll oh, come no. back to that idea oh, later. All right. Um, <laughs> well, if you guessed first century CE, you win. Ding, 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 ding. Money? I don't know. Ard, pride, whatever. Pride. You what definitely if- win pride. <laughs> you win pride. It's uh, priceless, so... <laughs> Congratulations. Um, So this first vending machine dispensed the most holy of foods, holy water. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was for coins. It wasn't like, yeah. Yeah. And the fellow behind this innovation was one Heron of Alexandria. I also saw Hero of Alexandria. Um, This guy was full of ideas like steam engines, syringes, fire engines, wind power, and a very primitive programmable robot. He was coming up with a lot of... Mm-hmm. He was thinking. He was thinking. He was a thinking man. So here's the problem he wanted to think about. People were taking way too much holy water during worship. Solution. Give folks a token to drop into a dispenser, and the weight of it pushed on a lever that opened a little door. And that door stayed open long enough to dispense the proper amount of holy water, and then the door closed when the token eventually fell. First vending machine. Simple. Yeah. It really is. Um, so then we wait a thousand years or so. Which will we'll speed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just for you. You don't want to just sit in silence for a pretty long time? <laughs> that would be weird. Um, <laughs> so people didn't seem to see any other uses for this vending machine idea other than dispensing the right amount of holy water for quite a bit. It took until 1883 for Percival Everett to patent a device that spit out postcards. Um, And two years later, the patent was updated to include stamps so people could send postcards on a Sunday. Ah. Or they could get the stamp for it, I suppose. Well, sure, yeah. Um, And another inventor came out with one that dispensed books soon after, and I'm pretty sure he got sued. Something about the rights of the books. I was like, this isn't food related. Move on. But I want to (laughs) know. A patent for a similar machine was filed earlier in 1857 in Britain. And even earlier than that, starting around 1615, you could find these kind of small brass machines in British taverns that dispensed tobacco. So there were a couple of other things, mostly tobacco, vending machines, holy water before I'm not making any sense. No, 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 no. Tobacco and holy water. There. Tobacco and holy water. <laughs> it's clearly what the people need. <laughs> sure. Right after that, postcards. Yeah, yeah. Send a postcard about all the tobacco. Okay, so, yes, after the postcard vending machines, these new vending machines sold mostly cigarettes, tobacco, peanuts, and other small things, usually for a penny each. And a lot of these early machines were honor boxes, meaning a coin would get you access to all of the inventory. But it was an honor system thing, so they trusted that you would only take what you paid for. Oh, right, right. Or it would be one of those little, little uh, like, like turnkey kind of things that, that you would get like a little handful of, yeah. of peanuts or candy out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first U.S. patent was filed in 1884 by W.H. Fruin, and the designs in the patent were for a building-shaped device. It looks quite spectacular, honestly, at least in the designs. Um, it worked fairly similarly to Heron's design. The inserted coin leaned against a lever that opened a valve located on the front steps that would then pour liquid into a cup. Unfortunately, in my opinion, this building layout of Fruins never caught on, but it did inspire others to sort of enter the fray. Um, the first company that serviced vending machines, Sweetmeat Automatic Delivery Company, debuted in 1887. And by 1888, if you were hanging around a New York train station and you had some spare coin, you could purchase Tutti Fruity gum from vending machines owned by the Tutti Fruity Automatic Vending Company. Um, They purchased it from someone else and then kind of made it their own thing. And instead of a building, these vending machines used a delivery slide. Very interesting layout. Yeah. A couple of years later in Paris, the first beverage vending machine came out. With beer, wine, and liquor available. Oh, heck yeah, Paris. Yep. The first non-alcoholic vending machine dispensed cool water around Coney Island in 1900. And I got to say, Coney Island comes up a lot 
or at least in recent episodes. Sure. <laughs> right, we're, we're on a streak. We're on a streak, a Coney Island streak. It was around this time that advertisements for vending machines promoted them for use in hospitals, factories, office buildings, schools, possibly for teachers' lounges more than for students, and various transportation centers. Yes, and Philadelphia was home to the first automat in 1902, which was a coin-operated automated, in theory, <laughs> restaurant. These things accepted nickels only and were popular among struggling artists. At their highest point in the 40s and 50s, Automat saw 350,000 customers a day. Hoof. Gumball machines came out in 1907. Gum machines were an almost immediate success, and they were pretty profitable. And then we get to a shakeup <gasps> oh. in the vending machine industry <laughs> in 1911. 18 vending machine companies... Yes, 18, combined to form the Auto Sells Gum and Chocolate Company. But there was a problem. Oh, no. Unscrupulous individuals figured out that you could fool these machines with coin knockoffs, sometimes made of wood or metal or, my favorite, ice. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Several laws were passed in the U.S. forbidding folks from making objects meant to double as coins. The U.K. struggled with this as well. A 1914 court case revealed 200 metal discs had been used to fool vending machines at the Kensington Railway Station. (laughs) On the tech side, throughout the 1930s and 40s, machines slowly improved in their ability to suss out a fake. An article appeared in a 1950s edition of the New York Times, quote, With the magnets that line the channels, it can also bite a slug or counterfeit and fling it back at a would-be chiseler. (laughs) When the coin is genuine, the machine goes gratefully into its act. (laughs) The trip levers spring a lock, either mechanically or by the closing of an electrical circuit, and, depending on the kind of commodity, a valve opens and starts pouring liquid, or a single package is dealt gently off the bottom of a vertically stacked deck. So magnets were involved in this. Yeah. Cold vending machine soda was also available by the 1930s, cooled first by ice and then by electricity. At the time, the drink was more likely to be mixed, the flavor and carbonated water, and then dispensed into a cup as opposed to getting the already mixed drink in a bottle. Uh, right, yeah. These were the uh, preludes to the to the machines that we see in, like, McDonald's and places like that now where, yeah, it, it's a single machine that just mixes the syrup in with the soda. Right. Mm-hmm. The patent for vending machines equipped with entire bottles had been patented in 1929. It just wasn't quite as widespread until later. However, one thing you couldn't get that dogged the vending machine industry (laughs) was coffee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this innovation didn't truly happen until the late 1940s when vending machines could mix liquid coffee with hot water. But it wasn't really good. Nope. No. And in the 1960s, the liquid coffee was switched out for pods of roasted coffee grounds, and it still wasn't really good. Yeah. By the 90s, machines could grind whole beans to order to mix, you know, to to, to shoot hot water through. But I don't know. Yeah. That that kind of like injection method of coffee making has never been my favorite. No. I feel like it tends to over over overburn, like like burn the sure. the grounds a little bit. That is probably what I get most from a vending machine though. Because yeah? when you're desperate, water or coffee. Sure, yeah, yeah. Definitely water. Mm-hmm. Probably crackers. I don't know. <laughs> crackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During World War II, the American workforce was stretched to the limit, working 10 to 12-hour days, and vending machines were seen as a way to provide a quick break for sustenance during these long hours. And they began appearing in more and more workplaces, primarily plants and factories. Especially as refrigeration and heating technology allowed the machines to carry a greater variety of products, including fresh stuff like hot and cold sandwiches, milk, juice, fruit, and desserts. These machines were sometimes called lunchomats after automats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Between the mid-40s and the mid-1950s, vending machines, vending machine spending would double, and then it would double again by the end of the 1950s. Though note that that includes non-food items like cigarettes and pantyhose, stuff like that. But it was a huge industry worth like $1.9 billion a year in 1956. In 1956 dollars. In today's dollars, that's over $18 billion a year. Wow. Um, And this was driving a lot of other changes. Candy and snack packaging was being changed to accommodate 
being put through vending machines. And according to an article from Christian Science Monitor published in 1957, a fairly dizzying array of foods was becoming available. Uh, quote, there are hot meal vendors for foods such as Swiss steak, chicken a la king, beef stew, spaghetti and meatballs, macaroni and cheese, meat and chicken pies, and baked beans. Chicken a la king. Right? Oh, Swiss steak. Heckin' fancy. Very. By the 1950s, vending machines were being marketed to schools for targeting students. The earliest references to the practice, like in popular journalism from the time, include criticism from dentists who were concerned about the sugar content of these snacks and drinks. And this would become a whole thing yeah. here in the United States. Yeah. I can't remember if we have vending machines in my high school. I don't think we did. Oh, we, we, still, we still had them in mind for sure. By the 60s, the uh, vending industry was actively targeting students and schools. 107 Southern California schools switched entirely from cafeterias serving hot meals to having banks of vending machines in 1964 alone. But there was pushback, including like government subsidies for serving hot lunches and for not allowing competing food choices from stuff like vending machines. Mm-hmm. But in the 1970s, the uh, National School Lunch Program was amended to allow schools to place vending machines alongside their hot lunches and keep those subsidies, Uh, which they did. Yes, they did. And, yeah. And, yeah. That's what we have to say about that for now. For now. Right. But for now, for now, we're going to talk about Japan because the 60s is when vending machines really took off in that country. And I... I would guess that a lot of people do kind of have an association, think of Japan having a lot of vending machines. Sure. Um, and I certainly, when I was there in October, uh, there were a lot, and you could get all kinds of things. And right today, the country has more vending machines per capita than anywhere else. Oh, wow. Um, and I definitely have audio of me saying to someone when I was in Tokyo, meet me at the vending machines. And I know exactly <laughs> where that was, too. <laughs> I know exactly where that was. There are like 24 <laughs> vending machines. Oh, my goodness. You get sake. You could get a highball. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. The 60s was also when vending machines started taking dollar bills, and the ink on the bills was read by magnets. Uh, yeah, these machines were, were looking um, for the iron content in the ink. Which is just so dang clever. I love it. Um, However, these machines were foiled by laser printers in the 1970s, which could print with ink containing a comparable amount of iron. Those darn laser printers. I know. Mm -hmm. The 60s also saw machines that could exchange coins for dollar bills. And one of the leading suppliers of bill-accepting devices on vending machines was and is still Mars Electronics International, which was originally a subsidiary of Mars Candy Company. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do so much more research on that. But for now, uh, by the time the 80s rolled around, machines could make change for $10 bills or $20 bills and could tell the difference between treasury ink and copier ink. Uh, Yeah, this tech would analyze the actual pattern of distribution of the iron particles in the ink rather than just scanning for overall content. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I do, too. In 1989, Orida was trying to invent a vending machine that could flash fry fries before your very eyes. <laughs> it wasn't until 1994 it started debuting at trade shows, but perhaps someone talked them out of it. I fairly, I think. I, I would agree. Uh, they ended up going with machines that used hot air cooking techniques as opposed to frying up the potatoes in hot oil. I, I agree with everything happening there. <laughs> Vending machines started using low-resolution cameras that were programmed to recognize certain patterns. And if it didn't recognize any, the bill was rejected. Hence all the finagling, turning, flipping, smoothing out, praying to whoever you believe in. (laughs) Uh, Before the more modern infrared strip was introduced, counterfeiters used to be able to get away with turning smaller bills into bigger ones, tricking the machine. Yeah, yeah, just kind of putting an extra extra zero on there. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a 50 now. And now I want... What, 50 dividend peanuts? I don't know. <laughs> uh, usually the, the, the con would be um, asking it for change. Oh, oh, that is much more clever than asking for 50 bags of dividend peanuts. It depends on your motivation and your, your needs and wants for that day. It's true. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, I, I, then I sell the M&M peanuts. 
at a profit. And I was like, well, what? who's going to buy M&M peanuts for some random person? It makes much more sense <laughs> to just get the change. Ooh. Um, <laughs> other modern innovations include an ultraviolet light that detects a small string of mylar present in all U.S. bills above $2. Modern bills are also usually printed, uh, partially printed with infrared ink, which uh, is, not, is not visible to the human eye when you look at the bill, but an infrared spectrum camera can, can see it. And this is a little bit more expensive. I, I think more perhaps used in Vegas than in your uh, uh, you know, general vending machine. But yeah, useful nonetheless. Oh, Las Vegas vending machine. Oh, goodness. I've never been to Vegas. That's a whole other field trip. Yeah. <laughs> Annie is making so many faces right now. We'll have to, yeah. <laughs> the buffets. The oh, buffets. the buffets. Uh, also helpful, bill sensors do now run off of software that can just be updated via like patch uh, like uploads, either either from a direct connection to the machine or now digitally over the internet. Um, so, so that you know, if a new looking bill comes out or if a, a bill with new security features comes out, then you don't have to like scrap the whole machine right. and create a new one. <laughs> and probably obviously, but coins are much easier to differentiate for vending machines. At quarters have one hundred. 119 ridges, for instance, on the edge, and dimes have 118 ridges. I just love that random fact. <laughs> Thought I would include it. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. The mid-2000s saw the vending machine that could sell frozen foods and ice creams, and in 2009, we get Eat Wave. Eat Wave. Hot, cold, and room temperature all in one machine. The way it worked was the microwave part was on the bottom of the machine, separated on the top and bottom by doors so that cold items wouldn't be heated. But the door would open, and then the hot, the thing that needed to be heated would drop in, and then the bottom door would close before it could complete its journey. Oh, wow. And then it would heat, and then the door would open, and there you go. Huh. Yeah. Goodness. There are about 250 in the U.S., and they all run you about $8,500. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Let's Pizza is a machine that can knead the dough and make the pizza. Uh, This came out in 2003. It's $5.95 for an 11-inch pizza, or that was the suggested retail price. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's... At the time in 2003. I, yeah. I'm assuming, you know, adjusting for inflation. Yeah. I don't I don't think I'd pay that much for a vending machine pizza. Maybe once. It apparently had windows in it so that you could watch the okay, pizza that's cooking, cool. and so I think I would. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would do it more for, like, the, I want to see this the happen and less for the... Actual yeah. I would be intrigued to see how it tasted. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Credit card-based vending machines came onto the scene in 2006. I think that is very key because one of the reasons I never, hardly ever use a vending machine is I hardly ever have cash. Yeah, yeah. So. The first time that I saw one of those, I was, I was, it was like fireworks going off in the distance. <laughs> it was beautiful. Like I was just like, I can have a water. I know. There's nothing. Well, there are many things that are worse, but it's a particularly sad day when you really want a water and you don't have the change and the vending machine is the only It's like, right there and it's yeah. mocking you. Yeah. In 2015, automats became posh again with the opening of Itza in San Francisco. This is a uh, digitized automat concept where you, you order on an iPad and your food is delivered into a cubby where a screen displays your name. Huh. Cool. Yeah, that's still still up and running. <laughs> As of 2017, there were projects in the works to create reverse vending machines to encourage recycling. Uh, you put your empty bottle in a machine and you get back a small cash reward. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never seen one of those. Oh, I think they're primarily in Malaysia right now. Oh, well, that would be why. <laughs> be problem number one. <laughs> um. Uh, back to back to schools and vending machines. As of the uh, 2000 aughts and early teens, some 70% of elementary schools, 82% of middle schools, and 97% of high schools still had uh, food and drink vending machines. However, lots of programs are now in place to, to encourage healthier choices in those machines, like fresh fruits and vegetables, especially as research has shown that many students eat a majority of their daily caloric intake while they're at school, and that the content of school vending machines can either have a positive or negative impact on students' overall diets and and health, depending on, you know, what's in them. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, developers are looking into facial or fingerprint recognition, cashless payment options, um, other social connectivity. 
I was reading an example, for instance, that if you got something from one machine and you were later at a different machine in a different place, but it was connected, they were the same company or whatever, it'd be like, hey, remember you got those M&M peanuts last time? I got M&M peanuts on the brain. <laughs> hmm. Predictions put 20% of vending machines as smart machines by 2020. And uh, folks are experimenting with all kinds of things here. Some machines will dispense some kind of fan prize if you tweet at the machine. Like if you use Twitter to interact with the machine, it'll give you something bonus. <laughs> A can of soda right into the crotch. <laughs> so Stephen King predicted. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I, I guess on a, on a slightly different but also dark sort of note. Um, so, all right, you know, like like there's vending machines are, are part of this sort of trend where we reduce the number of human interactions that we have in our daily lives. And I think that on a corporate level, a lot of that is so that people don't have to pay people to stand there and interact with you. Um, but... It's, it's, it's a really interesting question on like an interpersonal level of how this, how this does in our brains and how it affects our other interactions and whether or not it's a sad thing or a neutral thing or totally fine. Yeah. Um, have you all ever seen uh, the painting called Automat? I'm not sure I have. It was made in 1927 by one Edward Hopper and, and it, it depicts a, a woman – uh, wearing a green coat and a yellow hat, and she's sitting alone at a table. Um, and it's dark outside. The windows are right behind her. It's dark outside. And she's kind of just staring into her cup of coffee. And it's a sort of melancholy picture. Elaine de Botton wrote for the Tate Museum's journal Tate, etc. about it. Automat is a picture of sadness, and yet it is not a sad picture. Others in the room may be on their own, men and women drinking coffee by themselves, similarly lost in thought, similarly distanced from society. A common isolation with the beneficial effect of lessening the oppressive sense within any one person that they are alone in being alone. I like that. Yeah. Huh. It kind of reminds me of, um, there's been a lot of studies lately I think that I'm correct in saying a lot um, on the new trend of people eating by themselves Uh and finding it more acceptable. Because it used to be you're maybe embarrassed to show up at a restaurant and say table for one. Table for one, right. But now now people are doing that more frequently. And it is a strange sensation when you look around and you're surrounded by people, but you feel quite alone. yeah. Um, and yeah, usually they're on their phones or there's something they're occupied in some way that feels very cut off and distant from you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They have a they have a book or a magazine or, yeah, they're, you know, bejeweled, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually kind of shy and I will avoid contact. Oh, yeah. If I'm just out by myself. Yeah. So I'm a person that if if we're looking at this painting, I will take the option where I probably won't interact with people over the one that I will. And I do love interacting with people and I don't want that to go away. But I think our lives have become very fast paced. And I want a shirt that says it's just my face (laughs) because so many people assume I'm upset or sad or whatever. But that's like just what's going on with my face. Just your face. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's that is terrific. I'm I'm writing that down for you right now. Thank you. Yeah. I I guess I don't. No one no one has ever said that to me when I hadn't like just been crying. Oh, so, really? Yeah. I get that all the time. My own mother told huh. me that I look unapproachable. Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, she was probably just looking out for you. No, she, yeah. She and, said it in a very kind way. I believe you. She. Well. Um. <laughs> My, my roommate once got called out um, as, as an extra on a film for smiling in the background of what was supposed to be a serious shot. And the director was like, was like, you, stop smiling. And he was like, it's just my face. It's just my face. I just look jovial. I can't help it. Why did you cast me <laughs> in the background for this? I do want to um, – one story I do want to share that I think kind of is the flip side of this. Uh-huh. Is um, my family, we did not vacation much when I was a kid at, at all. Mm-hmm. We went on one family vacation. Oh, wow. To Washington, D.C. Okay. And I was in fourth grade, so like nine years old. 
We called ourselves the Lumpkin Bumpkins. We were from Lumpkin County. Okay. Um, and I remember being, we were all at vending machines, but it was for um, the Washington, D.C., the Metro. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. So it wasn't food, but they right. were like vending token yeah. machines. Yeah. We could not get them to work. Oh, no. Our train is approaching. My parents are panicking. We're all looking around like, what do we do? What do we do? And my dad said, forget it. And he just, like, ran and jumped over the turnstile. And we all looked at each other and we're like, okay. okay. <laughs> we all jumped over. And it was kind of a bonding a Aww. bonding moment over these, our inability <laughs> to get the vending machines to work. Yeah. And, like, and like minor, like, petty crime. Yeah. I, probably tonight I'll hear a knock on my door. <laughs> That would be amazing because this, as we record it, it's going to be like a week before it comes out. Yeah. They're listening all the time. They are. <laughs> oh, God. Those Washington, D.C. transit. <laughs> They've been waiting for me to spill the beans for years. They have. Those, those metro officials have <laughs> been tapping all of our podcasts waiting for this confession. <laughs> they knew I'd eventually give in. <laughs> this more or less brings us to the end of our uh, tales <laughs> of vending machines. <laughs> we do have some confessions from a couple of listeners. We do. Um, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And it's time for Listener Mail. You lost me immediately on that one. You didn't read my robot hand signal? I saw it happening. You were like, God, no. I was just stunned by the beauty of it. Also, yeah, we might have just killed producer Dylan. Aha! Finally found his weakness. I did. The robot dance. Doing the robot. Poorly is the way to uh, to incapacitate producer Dylan. Good to know for future reference. It is. It is. All right. This first letter is from Jenny, who sent in a recipe that she thought uh, I, since I am obsessed with peanut butter, that I might like to try. 
In high school, I had a friend named Ben whose parents had divorced. When they were going through the divorce during his childhood, he would go to his grandmother's house after school rather than go home. His grandmother would make him his favorite sandwich, and they would watch what Ben called the Smart Lady Show, a.k.a. Murder, She Wrote. Oh. Yeah. The Smart Lady always figured out who did it. Oh, yeah. The sandwich was something Ben swore was delicious, but most of his friends were skeptical of. The Fluffer Nutterito. A peanut butter and marshmallow fluff sandwich with a layer of nacho cheese Doritos tucked between inside and between the fillings. Despite the fact I thought it sounded terrible, Ben eventually convinced me to try one, and it actually was pretty good. The nacho cheese powder on the chips gets sort of trapped by the peanut butter and fluff, so you can't really taste that at all. You just get the delightful crunch from the chips, along with the soft sweetness of the fluffernutter. <laughs> Aside, interesting that you have to have nacho cheese ones. If, if you, can't, you can't taste it. <laughs> yes. I mean, maybe in the chance that you can taste it. We have discussed this before. Cheese and peanut butter is a pretty good It is. It combo. is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to try this now. I think we can make that happen. Okay. All right. And back to the letter. She wrote, speaking of weird cotton candy flavors, I saw some epic ones in a steampunk-themed restaurant in Orlando last year, including key lime pie, PB&J, and even absinthe. Absinthe-flavored cotton candy. Oh, I want that. Yeah. Now that you mention it. I think I know oh, exactly heck. where she's talking about. Yeah, I think we saw it at mm-hmm. Universal. At Universal. And we mentioned it right. in the Willy Wonka episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Well, duly noted. Mm-hmm. Aaron wrote, just finished listening to your podcast on daiquiris and thought you might be interested to hear about the traditional New Orleans dac shacks. These local establishments are just another wonderfully weird part of this amazing city. If you've had the thought driving home from work that you need to take a DTO, you can pull through the drive through of one of these little shops and order your frozen daiquiri to go. And as long as you keep that little paper straw piece on or don't put a straw in the lid, it counts as a closed container. Most places have a dozen or more flavors so that you can not only enjoy a traditional strawberry daiquiri, but also everything from mudslides or peaches and cream to jungle juice and anything in between. And if you're really in the mood or want to spice up your summer picnic, you can always have them fill up a gallon milk jug of your desired flavor. Just another interesting iteration on a classic cocktail. I, that, yeah, that we're both stunned. Annie is speechless. That... (laughs) At the thought of a gallon milk jug filled up with with daiquiri mix. Yeah, that's a lot of daiquiri. A lot of people wrote in about this, and there's a place I go to once a year um, near Gulf Shores, Alabama, and they make this drink called a bushwhacker. Okay. And it's basically a a less sweet mudslide. Oh, cool. I would call Uh it that. And um, there's a place near where we stay that sells them, and I always think I would love to take one of these with me home. I'm not sure. going to drink it in the in car. In the car while you're driving, sure. Yeah. But. I totally understand. I understand why it's both a very risky thing and also a thing that I would like to have the option to do. It's a tough one. <laughs> but, I mean, a gallon, a gallon. <laughs> quite a bit of daiquiri. That really is. Especially because I assume that they're relatively on the sweet side. I'm going to agree with that assumption. Um, but yeah, oh, uh, as, as you guys may have heard, we're, we're going to be traveling a little bit more often here here on Food Stuff. So um, we took our first and extremely successful trip to Asheville. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in with uh, suggestions of where to go. Uh, we went to a bunch of those places. We did. And, um, and New Orleans is definitely on our short list. Yeah, we're as, kind of waiting for the heat. Exactly. As soon as the weather cools off just a little bit. Yeah. We were like, well, second week of July, New Orleans, well, let's go a little north. <laughs> Somewhere a little cooler. Yeah. Um, yeah, so keep send in recommendations of where you think we should go, where you think we should eat in those places. Yeah, yeah. C- cities, uh, cities, places within cities. Yeah. Let us know. Yes, let us know. And you can do that. Multiple ways, one of them being email. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw and on Instagram at foodstuff. We do hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, who may or may not be an agent of the D.C. Metro police. You might be booked as soon as you walk out of this room, Annie. Well, he'll have to get me out of this room first. Ha! (laughs) (laughs) thanks to you for listening and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way 
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.